ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. If you're receiving snow in the Midwest, like we know listeners are in the Dakotas, we wish you safety. And with the ice that's moving in, rain for others. Others are just waiting for some sort of moisture to approve, appear to them. Well, that gives you a little bit of time to digest what's been happening in the market trade today. And that's exactly what we're going to do because we're going to look beyond what's been happening in the corn, the beans, and, and on the livestock side because we know that there's been some start, stock market reactions today, CPI data data came out, the dollar, inflation, a lot of factors that are really going to have an effect on your bottom line. Excited to have Brian Split join us. He is, of course, with agmarket.net. So let's talk about that CPI data that came out today. Reaction numbers like you expected in that conversation? Hey, Susan. So, um, you know, the, the numbers that came out today did show that uh, in, inflation is slowing. Uh, still 7.1% year over year, uh, but uh, things are cooling off. And so um, yesterday, prior to the uh, the data release, there was some commentary from some major banks that uh, if the numbers came in dovish enough that, and, and by dovish I mean that the uh, the inflationary numbers were cooler than expected, uh, that we could be up as much as 10% in the equity trade today. And that seemed like a, a little bit of an aggressive call, but um, once the numbers did come out, we saw the Dow uh, within just a few minutes after the release up nearly a thousand points. Uh, we saw the the S and P up about 150, uh, but those highs were made uh, within a few minutes of the data drop, uh, and then we've spent the rest of the session really just kind of coming back down um, to a point where midday the the Dow was actually lower on the session. Um, and so I think uh, one of the things that um, we're going to be looking at again moving forward is we're going to have tomorrow a, a Fed meeting. Uh, there's going to be a press conference, and um, the trade's going to be really interested to see if the Fed is going to start, uh, um, you know, pumping the brakes on on, on the rate hikes. Uh, we're looking for a, a half point increase, uh, so 50 basis points tomorrow is the expectation, uh, and then the communication from the Fed president then. Uh, the trade will be looking at, are we expecting things to kind of be slowing down as far as these rate hikes as we get into 2023? Now, the concern would be, uh, I think if you look at things historically, especially as they would relate to the stock market, is that um, as the Fed, if they do start to uh, do more of a easing type of a policy instead of a tightening type of a policy, that has generally led to uh, the beginning of larger corrections in the equity market. Um, and so historically, we would typically see 20 plus percent break in the equity market once the Fed does start to ease policy before that that easing of policy really starts to bottom out the market and we see money come back in. Um, so one of the things that I'm looking at is uh, is looking at uh, ways to potentially hedge your uh, your equity portfolio, uh, your retirement portfolio um, and the structure of the S&P specifically right now. Uh, is, is eerily similar to the structure of the S&P in 2008 before we really started to see that market roll over. Uh, so if the timing of it does match up, um, that would suggest that we could see some tremendous pressure coming to the equities uh, in early 2023. So maybe some March uh, put options if you're just looking at a, a straight put um, would be enough time to really see that develop if that came to fruition. Now on the other side of things, when we're looking at what the CPI data tells us uh, as it relates to commodities, 
is that we are really, yes, we are still in an inflationary environment, but that inflation is, is slowing. Um, that's the goal of the Fed is to rein in inflation. So if you are trading the long side of a lot of commodities, expecting inflation to continue, you are fighting the Fed. Uh, so just be, be wary of that. So as you look and, and obviously preparing for tomorrow with the, with that Fed discussion and that news conference like right around I don't know one one thirty when it comes out, leading up to that market wise, what do we do? Do we just sit still, uh, wait for that information to come out, or is it something that we can just continue a normal day up until that point? Well, I would expect that um, most of the volatility leading up into that decision uh, will be in the equity trade. Um, I think the commodity markets will likely trade whatever the, the data is that they're trading, uh, fundamentally prior to that data drop. Uh, but if there is a, a major move or a surprise and that will creep into the, uh, the commodity markets coming, uh, into the, the night trade tomorrow night. Uh, so once we open back up at 7 p.m. Central Time, um, the, uh, the markets will then react to how the outside markets trade from that, CP, from the, uh, the, the uh, Federal Reserve decision. So uh, I think you'll see probably the the end of the week uh, will be a very important time frame to see how uh, the grain specifically uh, react to the Fed decision. Uh, we've seen a good recovery in corn. Uh, corn has uh, filled a gap that was left on the way back up in August, and that was right after we really started that pro farmer crop tour. So March corn filled the gap at 638, went a little bit through it down to 635, and we've had a very good recovery up to the 660 area. Not the best close today. Uh, one of the things that we've been seeing recently, day to day, is kind of, hey, if we're going to be buying soybeans today, then we're going to be selling wheat and selling corn, and vice versa. Yesterday we had the market trade pretty aggressively to the downside in, in soy meal and soybeans. Uh, after we had some of the rain hit Argentina. And so as they were liquidating the length in the soybean and soy meal uh, contracts, they were buying corn and wheat. And so we're seeing a lot of intra-market spreading, uh, especially as we get into the end of the year. Uh, I don't think the fund manager wants to go all in on length in one market or or, or in, in all the markets at the same time. So if they're going to be buying one thing, they're going to spread something else against it. And, I, and we continue to see that in uh, hard red wheat versus soft red wheat. We see that in the meal market versus bean oil. I think bean oil made a major low yesterday. Back. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue with the Tuesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. When we come back, we'll also take a look at what's been happening, especially with this weather in Argentina. Some mixed feels. Are they getting enough rain at all? And I know their wheat harvest is underway there as well. More is coming up. It's Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide-label directions, grain marketing, and other stories. The Fontenelle Final Valley. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Brian Split. Brian, of course, is with agmarket.net. He's talking about a variety of different things outside of uh, the agricultural markets that are having a strong influence on our grain complex. And I want to talk a little bit about um, what's going on in Argentina. And I know that um, you were talking a little bit about the beans before and the oil before we headed into break. And maybe we need to start there. How much pressure 
is Argentina, knowing that they've had some weather issues, going to put on our soybean export opportunities? Well, so one of the things we've seen, um, you know, the the uh, government initiatives to um, make arrangements with the producer to help spur additional sales of soybeans. Um, and so that's been something that has uh, maybe precipitated a little bit more aggressive selling of beans than we would typically see out of Argentina at this time of year. Um, but um, I, I think the, the concern about exports moving forward as far as um, soybeans and especially to China uh, is going to not really be Argentina, but it's going to be Brazil. Um, and so uh, right now the weather concern in South America is, is mainly in Argentina. Um, and we saw the uh, soy meal market go from just above $400 a ton to about 400 and just under $475 a ton on the highs that we made last Friday. And so uh, Argentina accounts for about 40% of global exports for meal. And so when we lose production out of Argentina, that becomes really a, a major meal issue. Um, and so with the rains that we had over the weekend, that put some pressure on meal coming out of the weekend. We were down, uh, traded just below 450 a ton yesterday. Minor recovery today, uh, but we're going to have you know probably about a period of maybe another 10 days of dryness, and then we're going to start to see some moisture come back into the extended models as we get into uh, roughly Christmas, Christmas Eve, and that time frame. Uh, and if that moisture stays in the models, I think that's also going to exacerbate what we talked about in the first segment, which is them coming back in, buying the oil, and selling the meal. Um, so rain in Argentina, if that is deemed to improve the crop, I think that's going to put pressure up. And again, with the fund manager buying one thing and selling the other, as the meal comes back down, they're going to buy the, the bean oil. Again, I, I feel pretty strongly. We made a major low there yesterday. So I'm looking for that to wind back up again into the end of the year. Now, from the export side of things, maybe we see some more exports of, of uh, soy meal because of this. But um, I think from a soybean export concern uh, with Brazil's crop coming online, and you could nitpick a little bit. I know the market's talking a little bit about Mato Grosso recently. Um, they've had a couple weeks of, of, of moisture deficits, uh, but from a countrywide perspective, it still looks like we're going to have a very, very big crop there. And with this front end load as our export program has been, uh, we're seeing some sales here recently that I think China's accumulating to get themselves to that Brazilian crop. Once that crop's online, uh, our concern internally is that we are going to see the soybean uh, export program and not necessarily shipments, right? So we're going to continue to ship what's been purchased, uh, but future sales. Uh, I think the the accumulation of new sales on the books is going to come uh, um, to a, a halt as China then switches over their buying program to the Brazilian crop. Uh, so that has been our concern, and that's what's leading us to be rather aggressive recently in putting floors under November 23 soybeans. Uh, early in the year, we utilized the strategy using March short-dated options to put a $6 floor under corn during the month of February, which is when we would set our, our price average for the spring revenue guarantee. So we're using that same strategy right now, at the very least, to provide the same type of floor under the new crop soybean market. Um, and if producers want something a little bit longer lasting than just through February, uh, we can accommodate that. So, you know, again, this is on a case-by-case -case basis, but we think it's important to at least get that accomplished here on this recent run of $14. Do we need, as producers, to be locking in some fuel needs heading into the spring? 
Well, with fuel, uh, it's one of those things where it's, it's definitely a heck of a lot cheaper than it's been. Uh, so that may look attractive. Um, and I think your biggest risk, if you do some major locking in of, of fuel, is that we have uh, a soft economy. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about recession. Um, do we move into a recession? Do we see, uh, you know, overall demand slow down? Um, so generally my thought process on fuel is if you're going to go ahead and lock in fuel, and I don't have a problem with that. Like I said, it's a heck of a lot cheaper than it was uh, several months ago. Uh, even a month ago, I think the price of heating oil has probably come down from uh, highs made in that November time frame to recent lows, about a dollar a gallon. Uh, so that's definitely nothing to scoff at. Uh, but from a bigger picture perspective, if we do go into more of a recessionary environment, if we go into a, a deflationary environment, again, we talked about the Fed earlier. As you look at everything, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, you can reach anybody at agmarket.net at 844-4AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. Uh, check us out online, www.agmarket.net. And uh, I would encourage you to go to our website. We are going to have a conference in February in Nashville. It's the 5th and 6th. We have a banner at the top of the page, so click on the banner for all the information. All right, lots of great things today. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.